welcome to Anecdotes with Anne, with me, Anne Rimmer. Each year, thousands of people visit the Acropolis in Athens. They are shepherded off tour buses to walk up the side of the plateau and then wander around the ancient temple, snapping pictures of old stones and maybe pausing to admire the view of the city below. The site is packed with people from all over the globe, jostling to see one of the great wonders of the world. This is probably the most famous site in Athens today, but about 15 minutes away, in a quiet, leafy neighborhood, there's another ancient site. Not as many tourists visit it, maybe a few school groups. There isn't much to see, a sloped semicircle facing some stones. But what the site lacks in architecture, it makes up for in historical significance. This is the site of the Athenian assembly. The assembly is the reason that we call Athens a democracy. All male Athenian citizens could sit in the assembly. It was a policy-making body where everything was discussed, laws, trade, and in particular, issues of war and peace. There were no prime ministers or formal political parties. It was just the citizenship discussing the direction the city should take. Everyone wasn't just entitled to a vote, they were entitled to debate. Today I'm going to tell the story of one famous event that involved the assembly, the Mytilenean Revolt of 428 BC. This event led to a fierce debate in the assembly, which dealt with subjects that we still struggle with today, capital punishment, corruption in politics, and imperialism. Recorded by the ancient historian Thucydides, the debate offers a fascinating insight into the dynamics and limits of political discussion in ancient Greece. 428 was a bleak time for the Athenian people. For the past four years, they had been fighting a war against Sparta, and a plague had just swept through the city. In the fall of 428, they were bracing for an invasion from the Spartans when they found out that their ally, Mytilene, was revolting against them. For the Athenians, this revolt was more than just losing a supporter on the battlefield. It shook the foundations of their political and economic power. Fifty years earlier, Athens had established a voluntary naval alliance of city-states. Over the years, Athens had increasingly demanded ties from the members, took control of the treasury, and stopped consulting with other members of the alliance. In other words, Athens started building an empire. This empire was the source of Athenian power and influence, but it was also the cause of the war with the Spartans, who felt that Athens was becoming too powerful. So it is no surprise that Athens quickly sent ships to the city of Mytilene when it heard about the revolt. Mytilene was a small city on an island off the coast of what is now Turkey. It had actually retained a fair bit of independence from Athens, but feared becoming completely subsumed into the larger empire. The oligarchy that controlled the city pushed for the revolt, hoping to take advantage of a weakened and distracted Athens. When the Athenian navy arrived in the island, the Mytilenians refused to tear down their city walls. And so Athens and Mytilene found themselves at a deadlock. The Mytilenians controlled their island, but the Athenians prevented anyone from leaving or arriving. Soon, the Mytilenians found themselves running out of supplies. Desperate, they agreed to surrender to the Athenians under one condition, that they'd be allowed to send an ambassador to plead their case to the assembly in Athens, and that the citizens of Mytilene would not be enslaved or killed until his return. The ambassador arrived in Athens along with the leaders of the rebellion. Instantly, the Athenians voted to put the leaders of the rebellion to death. And filled with fury, the Athenians also voted to put to death the whole adult male population of Mytilene and make slaves out of all the women and children. Even by the standards of the time, this was an extreme punishment. A ship was sent that night to the Athenian commanders in Mytilene, telling them to lose no time in decimating the island. The next morning, the Athenians woke up and realized the horrid cruelty of the decree and began to wonder if they had made the right decision. 
In this moment of crisis, the Athenians did what they do best and went to the assembly. And the citizens of the city gathered on benches that formed that slope semicircle. And they looked towards the stones. The first to rise to speak at the podium was Cleon, one of the most prominent politicians of his time and extremely hawkish in his political views. He opened his speech with the immortal line, I have often before now been convinced that a democracy is incapable of empire, and never more so than by your present change of mind in the matter of Mytilene. He argued that the citizens of Athens should not be focused on interesting arguments, but be guided by common sense. He used language that could be pulled from modern attack ads and accused his opponents of being anti-patriotic or corrupt. He said that the punishments against the Mytilenians was harsh because it needed to be harsh. Athens is an imperial power because it is strong, not because of the goodwill of their subjects. And any delay in punishment would only make the Athenians seem weak and open them up to more rebellion. The Athenians should only show mercy if they had provoked the Mytilenians, and he argued that in fact the Mytilenians had enjoyed good treatment as an Athenian partner. And even though the rebellion in Mytilene was decided by an oligarchy, it should apply to everyone because the ordinary people had followed their leaders. The main theme of his speech was that the death penalty was a deterrent, and it needed to be harsh so that people across the Athenian Empire saw the consequences of a rebellion. The next speaker was Diodotus, and this is his only recorded speech in the assembly. He argued that good judgments are never made in haste or in passion. He fought back against the accusation of corruption and argued that democracy was best served when people spoke their conscience, even if it was unpopular. His main argument was that it didn't matter about whether the Mytilenians were guilty, but whether putting them to death served Athenian interests. He argued that the death penalty was not a deterrent. The desire to rebel against an overlord is part of human nature, and no deterrent will ever be large enough to overcome the hope of freedom. In fact, this harsh punishment might actually hurt Athens in the long term, because if a city knows that it is going to be massacred, then it will fight to its last life. But if it knows it will be shown mercy, then it might give up sooner. He argued that the wiser course of action is not to punish the rebellion harshly, but to monitor discontent so that it can be nipped in the bud before it explodes. These two speakers represented the moral and political quandary that the Athenians had before them. When the assembly took a vote, it was close and only a slim majority voted to repeal the death sentence. Quickly, a ship was dispatched to Mytilene, well aware that the order with the death sentence had an almost 36-hour head start. Great rewards were promised to the rowers if they arrived first, such as they ate while rowing and slept in turns. They made it to Mytilene just in time. The Athenian commander had read out the order to kill and was about to commence doing so when that second ship arrived. The Mytilenians had escaped the worst, but at the end of the day they had become subjects of Athens, their land seized, their defenses destroyed, and many were enslaved. It is so easy for us to criticize politicians for just talking and talking and talking without doing anything. But what I love about this story is it reminds us of the importance that good debate where ideas are exchanged and engaged with, is key to the functioning of a democracy. Words and great oratory can accomplish amazing things, and in 428, words stopped a massacre.